0: We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. Now turn in your copies to God's Word of John chapter 12. Begin reading verse 9 and we'll continue through verse 23. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him... you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, "Lord, we or, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. This ends the reading of God's word. And again, may he bless the hearing of it that we would be more than merely hearers, but we would know how God's word applies to our own lives and we'd be doers of his word. Well, today we and next week we somewhat interrupt our series in the gospel of John to celebrate Palm Sunday and the resurrection. But back in October when we were looking at John 12, I we recognize the kingship of Christ, and we focus on the, what type of king Jesus is. Well, today, I want us to focus on his kingship from a different angle. In verse 19, we hear the enemies of Jesus make a profound statement. They say, look, the world has gone after him. Another translation that says, look, the whole world has gone after him. The Pharisees knew that they were completely losing their power and control over the crowds wherever they looked, every person they seemed that, that they saw seemed to be absolutely amazed at this Jesus wherever he went, the crowds were sure to gather. Well today, I want us to look at the triumphal entry of Jesus through the response or the eyes of the various crowds. What do they perceive and, and how should that have an impact on how we view Jesus? so we see four different responses of the crowds. The first is the curious crowd who were driven by false expectations. In verse 9, we read that when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. They were fascinated with this man from Galilee who could do such amazing things. The stories were told of him healing a blind man of cleansing lepers, of healing others that were desperately sick. They heard that he fed thousands of people with just a little bit of bread and a couple fish. They heard about Lazarus from Bethany, Mary and Martha's brothers who had become desperately ill and died, and Jesus rose him from the dead. It seemed like everyone wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus, to see if he would do something remarkable so that they could see it. However, his miracles were not the only reason that crowds would gather. They also wanted to hear him teach, because nobody taught with such authority like this before. Their curiosity resulted in this crowd gathering through the streets, proclaiming his royalty to all of Jerusalem. They hoped, and, and possibly some even believed, that he truly was the Messiah. They shouted, Hosanna, which means save us. They shouted the messianic proclamation from Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Their curiosity led to excitement. He is the King of Israel. He is our Messiah. However, this crowd, this people in Jerusalem wanted a Messiah that would conquer Rome, would set them free from the Roman rule and establish a new Israel. Well, they were right in proclaiming Him the King of Israel. They were right to believe that He is their Messiah, but they were wrong in their expectation about the type of deliverance that He would bring. They had no idea that He had come to set them free from their sin, to conquer death instead of overcome Rome. They knew who Jesus claimed to be, but they did not truly know Him. This curious crowd wanted Jesus on their own terms. They wanted a king to deliver them from Rome, not one who would deliver them from their sins. And many people today are just as curious, and they get excited about Jesus, and they they want to make Him, they want to proclaim Him king because He will make them healthy and wealthy and and happy. Like this curious crowd, They proclaim him king until he doesn't give them what they want or what they think they need. Many in this same crowd in Jerusalem would turn on Jesus so quickly and call for his crucifixion because clearly he wasn't going to satisfy their selfish passions. However, many of the curious became true believers. And we see this in verses 10 and 11 with this next crowd. It says, so the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So there we see the next crowd, it's the hateful crowd, who were driven by selfish passions. The hostility against Jesus was growing more and more among this small crowd of Pharisees and Sadducees, the chief priests and the scribes. These were the the religious elite, the ones who were responsible for the spiritual well-being of the people of Israel. The reason the people knew about the coming of the Messiah was they were doing a pretty good job of teaching them. They knew what to expect. They were well taught. The problem, of course, was though it wasn't a lack of understanding. The problem was they were coming from a selfish and dead heart. They refused to relinquish their power over the crowds, and they recognized that they were following in greater and greater measure Christ. They tried many times to discredit Him. They tried to trap Him with questions, but every time Jesus would turn the tables on them, make them look even more foolish. They finally reach a boiling point. All they could do now is kill him. But I hope you noticed also that it wasn't just Jesus they wanted to kill. They also wanted to kill Lazarus because Lazarus was living proof of the power of Christ. No one could raise someone from the dead four days after he had died. He had to go. Maybe if they were able to kill Lazarus and Jesus, maybe then they could regain their power and control over the people. I hope you noticed not only the various crowds in the story, but also the impact of a transformed life. The people wanted to meet the man who was dead and brought back to life. The leaders wanted to meet Lazarus so they could kill him. But the life that is transformed by Christ will always attract people. Some people, no doubt, came to believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God because of what he did. But for others, it increased their hatred because all they could see, they still rejected Christ. And they went on pursuing it after their selfish passions. Thirdly, we see a confused crowd who was driven by a desire to know God's Word. In verse 16, we read that the first at first his disciples did not understand all this. There was again confusion among his disciples. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. You see the connection to what they saw with the Old Testament, what they had been taught. But at this point, much of what Jesus taught the disciples was confusing to them. They believed he was the Messiah. They believed that He would free them, though they also expected that to be freedom from Rome. But their confusion didn't last long, did it? Once they saw Christ in His resurrected body, then they began to understand what He had taught them. They had listened intently when Jesus taught. They began to understand what He taught them. But though they listened intently... And they demonstrated a true hunger to understand. They just didn't seem to be able to make all the connections between what was promised about the Messiah in the Old Testament and what they saw happening to Him. They didn't understand that what the people were doing to Him is exactly what God the Father had planned and predicted all along the way. Prior to His death and resurrection, Jesus had explained. He had explained, the, especially the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You remember that back in John 14. Jesus had explained to them that the Holy Spirit would come and abide within them, and He would remind them of all the things that He had taught them. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared. It tells us in Luke 24 that Jesus appeared to two of the disciples as they were making their way to Emmaus. And Jesus appeared, and though they didn't recognize Him at first, it says that he began teaching them, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, and he interpreted it to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wouldn't you love to have been part of that uh, conversation? To hear Jesus teach about all the prophets and what they were telling about him and what happened to him in Jerusalem was exactly what had been prophesied. There are many things that we can learn. From them. but think about this also. After the resurrection, when 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 the disciples were confused about the Old Testament prophecies, but then on that day of Pentecost, when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, what does he preach? He goes straight to Isaiah. He goes straight to the king of David and tells them exactly what had to happen, what was foretold in the past. Yes, there's many things we can learn from the example of the confused disciples. But let me just emphasize one, and that is the necessity of the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, enabling us to understand the Word of God. We shouldn't be surprised when the world doesn't get it. They don't have the Holy Spirit in them to teach them. We have the Holy Spirit abiding within us. We we cannot grasp the meaning of God's Word without the Holy Spirit illuminating our heart and our mind. And this is why we pray every week before the reading of God's Word that the Holy Spirit would open our hearts, that He would soften our hearts and open our minds, that we'd be able to receive His Word, but not merely be hearers who deceive ourselves, but be doers of His Word. This is what the disciples needed. This is what the Savior promised, and this is exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit taught them everything they needed as Christ began building His church. A growing understanding of God's Word empowered the disciples to stand against the schemes of the world and the devil. However, their courage did not come merely through intellectual training. Intellectual understanding has obviously tremendous benefits, but only if it is coupled with authentic application. We must be doers of His Word and not merely hearers. However, doers of His Word are also hearers of His Word. We must grow in our understanding of God's Word in order to be able to put it into practice. We just can't be content with one or the other. It's got to be a both-and. We must grow in our knowledge and put it into practice. I've known quite a few people in my lifetime who could quote the Bible and recite the Westminster Confession, but they could not keep a job or manage their own home. Some had terrible tempers, while others were unmerciful, even cruel in their treatment of other believers. Intellectual understanding has tremendous benefits, but only when it's put into practice. So, we've seen a curious crowd. We've seen a hateful crowd. We've seen a confused crowd. And then, lastly, we see an unexpected crowd. It was driven by what they had heard. Look at verse 20 and 21 again. Among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, it's generally agreed among scholars that these Greeks were Gentiles who had given up their worship of many gods and had been won over to the worship of the God of Israel. These Gentiles who had become Jews, an unexpected crowd of Jewish proselytes, find Philip and they ask Philip, we want to see Jesus. Now there's a lot of speculation as to why they chose Philip. But the text doesn't give us an answer, so we obviously have no idea. But that's not the point of it being told. The point is that we're supposed to see is that the Gentiles came to Jesus before the persecution of Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, before the disciples were scattered all over the world. Gentiles were coming to Jesus before Peter had his vision on the rooftop. They were already coming. To Jesus, before Jesus called Paul to be, to be the apostle to the Gentiles, and Gentiles are still coming to Jesus. The gospel is being proclaimed on every continent in the world, and Jews and Gentiles are coming to faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners. The Holy Spirit is still making people come alive. He is still the Almighty God. He is still sovereign over all things, including our salvation. There are still people who want to see Jesus. So what do these crowds see in him? And how does that have an impact on us? Well, a curious crowd saw his power over everything, even death. And they were attracted to him, but though with the wrong motive, he is still the all-powerful God. But we must not come to him merely to see what he can do for us. We must present our requests to him for certain, but we must trust in him however he chooses to answer our needs. The hateful crowd saw his influence over people's lives and despised him for it while he is still has a tremendous influence over people's lives, but we must not resent Him. We must know that He is a gentle King. The confused crowd saw Him teach with authority. Though they did not always understand, they had profound respect for Him and wanted to know more. And He still teaches with authority. Pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate your heart, that you would understand His Word recognize the authority of the Word of God and submit to it. Whole denominations have, have completely collapsed because they have failed to recognize the authority of the Word of God. It doesn't change by culture. and It is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant Word of God. Rely on it. The unexpected crowd heard about His power and His love, and they, they wanted to meet Him. Well, he is still lovingly drawing men to himself. The only way that a person can come to Christ is if he draws them. So I encourage you, invite people to worship. Invite them to come and hear about Jesus. Next week would be a great opportunity. As we celebrate together, as we should every Lord's Day, We celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Invite your friends to come. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that we would recognize the world in which we live We would see the pain. We would see the the confusion and the curiosity. But Father, may we proclaim Christ. As we prayed earlier, we pray that you would silence those that are proclaiming a false Christ. Remove their influence in this world. Enable the light of the gospel to shine brightly. That the curious would find that you are the true God. That you would transform the hateful. That you would continue to teach the confused. And Father, we pray that you would continue to draw your people to yourself, wherever they may be. And we pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior Jesus. Amen. Our closing hymn.